You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. We are walking through, through the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. <clears throat> this series I'm calling Route 66. 66 books in the Bible, making 66 stops along the way. And we have arrived at the milepost called Ruth. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16, I believe to be the most important verse in this book. Ruth 1.16, if you have it, let's read. I read from the King James Version of the Bible because I like it. Amen. <laughs> it may not be the best one, but it's the best one for me. So I use it. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. She's saying this to her mother-in-law, Naomi. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Now, Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Spirit of, the, of God upon this word today. I thank you for your people who are here to receive and I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation upon the knowledge, in, the, in the knowledge of Christ upon everyone here in this place today. And make us better citizens of your kingdom. Grow us a little bit today, Lord. Yes. Grow us up a little bit more today. You, As children of the living God, make us more mature because of what we eat here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say Amen. Amen. What we find in the book of Ruth is a little girl that was destined for failure but wound up in success. Destined for failure by her birth, she was a Moabitess, not allowed in to the family of God at all. The Moabites could not come into the congregation of the, of the people of God. She was an outsider and branded an outsider by the word of God. They were not allowed in. But somehow, she married one of the princes of Israel, a guy named Boaz. How did this happen? If you look at the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1, you see something amazing. You see there that Obed was, was David's uh, grandfather. Jesse uh, was next, and then David. But who was Obed? Obed was Boaz's son. But Boaz was the son of Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, Salmon, Salmon. Who was Salmon? Salmon had married a girl that they'd picked up in Canaan's land, in Jericho. Salmon married a girl from Jericho, a Canaanite girl. Not just a Canaanite girl, but a prostitute. By the name of Rahab. Yep. Now when you're a prostitute, 
you've got a bad life anyway. And when you're a Canaanite prostitute, you've got the worst kind of life. And how she got in, listen to me, how she got into the family of God was by lying through her teeth. It's true, she was a liar. And God blessed her for lying. Because she lied for the right. Corrie Ten Boom's family are heroes. We know, how many of you know who Corrie Ten Boom is? She and her family are heroes because they, they helped the Jews, hid them from the Nazis. And every day when the Nazis came to their house, they lied through their teeth and said, there's none here. And God blessed them and made them heroes. They weren't lying to God. They weren't, they weren't trying to hurt anybody with their lies. They were helping somebody. Do you understand this? There's a difference in a lie for hurt and a lie for help. Guys, you're going to understand this. You understand it this way. Even though you think her butt looks fat in those pants. Oh, no, he did it. My God. Did I just say that? I'm getting old enough to say what I want to say. Okay? <laughs> if she asks you, you better lie. Yeah. You better lie. Right. <laughs> you don't hear many preachers tell you to go ahead and lie about it, but I'm telling you, don't tell her the truth. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't tell her the truth. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> Wait, is it okay to have a little fun? Amen. She gets over there with, with, uh, with, Ru, Ru, with Naomi and she winds up finding the, one of the princes of Israel in the kingly lineage. And she gets to marry Boaz. She could have married dumbass. <laughs> She could have married lazy ass. She could have taken home to Naomi smart ass. <laughs> but she didn't take any of those home. She took Boaz. Amen. Now you may feel like you married dumb ass. Or lazy ass. But you're really married to Boaz. The real prince of Israel. Jesus himself. That's what Ruth means. Listen to me. Her mother-in-law was Naomi. But her new mother-in-law was Rahab. What would make a prince like Boaz want to marry a Moabite girl and risk his inheritance? Because of who his mother was. He saw something in that prostitute Canaanite, lying through her teeth, woman that bore him. He saw what God could do with somebody like that. Yeah. He thought, if God can do that with my mama, God can do it with this girl right here. That's right. Amen. That's why Jesus took you. That's right. You may not be worthy of it, and you're not, <laughs> but Jesus took you because he kind of likes making treasure out of trash. Any trash bins in here? I was. I was a trash bin. And Jesus made treasure out of trash. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Let me tell you what it means. Full commitment. She said, do not tell me to go away. I'm not going away. 
Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. So the first thing we, need, we learned about Ruth, what made her su such a success was this thought. Full commitment is mandatory for success. Full commitment is mandatory for success. Who wants to, I need a married couple to come help me. Stand up here in front of me. Married couple, anybody? Casey in Paris is fine. Stand right here in front of me. Stand right here in front of me. You right here on this, on this side. Casey on this side. Y'all remember how to do this. We've done it once before. Done it once before. I ask him questions. Casey, you take this, man, this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy state of matrimony. Do you promise to love her, honor, keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep yourself only unto her so long as you both to live? And, and, and the first time he said, I do. What if he had said, yeah, <laughs> except for Friday nights. <laughs> you know, I've been dating Susie for many years, baby, and... Uh, I'm speaking for him, okay? I've been dating Susie for many years, and I hate to break her heart and just stop it all of a sudden. I just need Friday evenings, just like from about 6 o'clock until 10 at night, to go on my regular date with Susie. Is that okay? But I'm yours all the rest of the time, just four hours a, night, a week. Is that okay? No. <laughs> That's not okay, is it? No. Why? I need him all the time. Why do you need all him all the me? time? All for you. Mm -hmm. And you didn't even create him. Nope. <laughs> Are you listening? Mm -hmm. She didn't create him. She has no real right to this. But she demands it. Because that is the commitment of love. Mm -hmm. The commitment of love is an all-out commitment. It's not a part-time. It's not a once in a while. It's not almost all the time. It's full commitment. The only way you're ever going to have success is to make a full commitment. Whatever you are doing in life, y'all can sit down. Thank you very much. Whatever you're doing, they didn't do anything but stand there. They looked cute. They, did, they do look cute. <laughs> Trying to figure out which one of them is pregnant. Air <laughs> five. Casey's a son to me. You all know that. I would never mess with him any other way. Full commitment. In anything you're doing in life, you can't say, well, I'm going into business. Maybe. Either you are or you're not. You've got to be committed to it. Anything you do in life, you've got to give yourself to it. That's why I give myself to preaching and teaching. I don't study sometimes. I study all the time. You think this just happens? I think this just comes out like this with, because I lay in my bed and say, well, I wonder what I'm going to preach today. I don't, I'm not like that. Some, maybe there are preachers that are like that. I'm not one of those. Because I'm committed to make sure that what I've given to God in my gifting, in my life, I gave it to Him. I gave it to Him for you. Amen. I feel His power working in me. Feel his power working. Y'all may know, you may have noticed that I've been a little bit slower lately than I used to be because I've been fighting a devil. Amen. But I'm a faith man. Yes. And I'm winning this fight. Yes. And you'll win your fights if you'll stay in faith, praise Amen. God. 
Does it sound like I'm winning today? Yes. Glory to God. Amen. Went to a doctor who said, you're getting better. You shouldn't be getting better. I said, you don't know about God, apparently. The next thing, you, let me just say this. Start with a commitment. You think, I can't keep a commitment. I've tried. No, you start with a commitment. And I promise you, if you do it in faith, the grace of God will meet you at your commitment. Yes. The grace of God will meet you right there and take you through to your commitment. Because we all make our commitments by grace. In the law, in the, under the law, they had to make their commitments by the, at the penalty of death, at the point of the sword, at the point of the spear, if you will. But you make your commitment under the laws of grace. Praise God. The laws of grace will take you through. Make a commitment. If you're not born again today, you wonder why. You wonder, well, I can't be a Christian. I can't live the Christian life. Yes, you can. How many of you that are saved today thought at one time you couldn't live it? Let me see your hands. Look here. You're saved today, and you thought at one time you couldn't live it. Are you living it today? Yes. You're living it. Because grace meets you at the point of that commitment. Because a commitment is a faith statement. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting today. <laughs> Let's turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16 for our next truth. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. On our way through the Bible, Route 66, we've, we've come to the milepost, 1 Samuel. Chapter 16 and verse 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature. He's a big tall boy. Because I have refused him. Now what's happened is Samuel was told by the Lord to go out to Jesse's house and anoint a king. This is the first of seven sons that Jesse brought to Samuel to look at. And Eliab, or Eliab, was a big, tall, strapping, handsome boy. And Samuel said, wow, surely the Lord's anointed this before me. He was so impressed with his stature. So impressed with what he looked like on the outside. Now, let, let me t remind you of who Samuel is. Samuel isn't just anybody in the Bible. Although there's... Two books named after him, it's unlikely he wrote either one of them. They were written about him. But hear me out. Samuel was the man that started the office of the prophet in Israel. He is the father of the prophets. We tend to think of Elijah as the big daddy of the prophets. And he was. Elijah was the Henry Ford of prophets. But Samuel was the Wolfgang Benz, the guy that really created the thing. Henry Ford didn't create the car. Y'all know that. The guy named Benz did. That's where we get Mercedes Benz right now. Samuel established the office of the prophet in Israel. He is a big dude. And he's standing there, the most spiritual man in Israel, looking at this boy in the natural. It can happen to anybody if it happened to Samuel, it can happen to you. It's something you have to be guarded, be guarded about. Don't, look, don't assess everything by what it looks like on the outside. Amen. Because the worst looking people come in this church sometimes 
And be real easy. I'm not looking at anybody right now. I'm not, look, not I'm just I'm looking over your heads. Somebody come in here looking like you think he's a scum. That may just be the next elder here. Next deacon here. Next somebody special here. You can't look at people on the outside. It's the problem with America right now. All this racial tension we have. We're judging people by what they look like. It's a sin. It's just wrong. And as long as it happens, America's going to suffer. We have to get past it somehow. Am I in the right house today? We have to get past it somehow. Here's how you get past it. Look here. Because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. What that means is, you are not what you look like. Ladies. Guys don't have the problem with this. Guy can be 55 pounds overweight and look in that mirror and say, I still got it. You got stuff hanging everywhere. He says, I still got it. Saggy, baggy. I still got it, baby. Look at me. You want a piece of this, man? I'm... A woman looks in there, she's half a pound overweight. Oh, I'm fat. Looking on the outside, determining who you are by what you look like. The Bible says God does not do that. God looks on, does not look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So what, what we're saying here is, what the Bible teaches us here in 1 Samuel is, that your heart is who you really are. Your heart is who you really are. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Your righteousness is not always in your actions. It should be, but it's not always there. It's in your heart. If it's not in your heart, your actions mean nothing but religion. Are you hearing me today? Who you are is really your heart. This is what's wrong with most of religion. It's all about the, other, the outer appear, outward appearance. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23 and verse 27. Hear the words of the Savior. They're powerful words. Matthew 23, 27. Can you put it up on the board right quick? There we go. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, a hypocrite is, a, is a, an actor. Somebody who wears a false faith. That's what the word means. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are likened to whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Woo! This is what Jesus thinks of those who look good on the outside to cover up what's on the inside. Because he looks on the heart always. God has always been looking for people who have hearts that are toward him. That's why we see David acting like a fool sometimes. We see David acting like a pure fool sometimes. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right about it? Acting like a pure idiot. You want to just slap him when you read the text. How could you do that? She was just taking a bath. It's not like you hadn't seen a naked woman before, boy. He had a harem. Yeah. <laughs> he had a harem. 
You just want to slap him. But then God refuses to point out his error and hold it against him. We're going to find that out next in 2 Samuel. Jesus went after this thing, lock, stock, and barrel. This thing of judging on the outward appearance. Genesis 3.15 is the first messianic prophecy. And it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. This is Almighty God talking to the serpent. Between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. Now it didn't say he's going to put enmity between the serpent and the woman. But between her seed and his seed. Okay. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So it's saying... That these fairs, that the, these, the seed of the serpent is going to bruise the heel of the seed of the wo woman. The woman in this pro prophetic utterance is Mary. And the seed is Christ. And the seed of the serpent is found in John chapter 8, verses 42. Let's turn there real quick with your Bible. John 8, 42. 43 and 44. We're going to read it, read it together. John 8, 42 says, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? In verse 44, You are of your father the devil. And the lusts of your father ye will, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. The devil created one thing, lies. And everything he says to you, even those symptoms you're having in your body right now are nothing but lies. 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 Anything that goes against your covenant is a lie. Yes, it is. Amen. 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 Come on, somebody say amen. Yes, amen. Anything that goes against your covenant is a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. And Jesus hates lying when it's harmful, especially the harmful kind. The devil then was housed in his seed. And Jesus tells us who it is, the Pharisees. Not just the Pharisees, but any religion that looks good on the outside and is dead inside. Any religiosity that's dead on the outside, uh, that looks good on the outside, but is dead on the inside. That's what he came to destroy. That's what he came to destroy. You understand? Adam and Eve were standing there with fig leaves on at the time. Standing there with fig leaves on. Trying to find a way to approach God with a man-made skirt. With a man-made covering. That's all religion is. They didn't know how to talk to God anymore. They were just being Pharisees. Adam was the original Pharisee. They're still in town. They're still here. They live here in Durant. They go by different names now. All kinds of denominational names. 
There may be some Pharisees in this building tonight, today. If you're a Pharisee, let me tell you something. You can be free from that. Jesus came not to destroy you, but to, to destroy that symptom of, of a spiritual sickness that has taken hold of you. You can be free. You can become clean today. You can be made brand new on the inside so that your new man, your inner man, looks just like Jesus. Glory to God. That's some good news for somebody. It's all about the heart. It's about the inner man. It's a spiritual thing. There's a story of, I heard a preacher tell one time years ago that a woman in his church had a car wreck and suffered irreparable damage to her brain. The only real outcome of it was that she had totally lost her memory. Amnesia, total amnesia, almost total. She knew how to eat and all that kind of thing, but she didn't know who she was. I'll call her Mary. I think that's what he called her. He went to see her in the hospital and he stood beside her bed. He said, Mary, I understand you don't know who I am. But I'm your pastor and I've been your pastor for 25 years or so. She said, well, there's one thing for, for sure, Mr. Pastor. One thing you're right about. I don't know who you are. See those two young women standing at the foot of my bed here. I don't know who they are. They claim to be my daughters with my grandchildren. This man standing over here crying who, who stood there beside my bed ever since I came to. He claim, claims to be my husband and I don't know him. I'm just having to take, take his word for it. I can't, she said, I didn't know who I was until they told me. She said, sir, I can't put my hand on one thing that I can remember. I don't know one detail of my life except for this one. This one thing I know. He said, what is that? She said, all I know is somewhere, sometime, I met Jesus Christ. How could she know that? How could she know that? Not know anything else, but she knew she'd met Jesus. Because Jesus is not in your mind. He's not in the outward man. He's not in that part of you. He's in your heart. And it may have knocked her, knocked her senseless with respect to memory, but Jesus is not a memory. Jesus is a living being inside your heart. Yeah. Glory to God. When it wiped the slate clean at that accident, her heart must have cried out, Jesus! That's the first thing her mind knew. Her heart cried out, Jesus. She's, you are your heart. That's why God looks at you that way. I want to share another scripture with you. It's not in my notes, but it just came to my mind. Would you turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12? Did that story help anybody here? Amen. Praise God. Help me. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God, look at this, is quick and powerful. It means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow. That's just, that's just three things. Spirit, soul, and body. That's just talking about your spirit, soul, and body. 
And the Bible is the only spiritual book, only book anywhere that divides us into three parts. Most people don't even divide the soul and the spirit, but the Word of God does. You see it right there. It says it makes a division between spirit and soul and body. Your soul being largely, largely your mind, your, your heart being your spirit, and your body, your joints and marrow being your body. And listen. And as a discerner, listen to this, God, the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the mind. Did it say the mind? No, it didn't say the mind, did it? What did it say? The heart. God is not reading every foul thought that you have. That was worth coming to church for all by itself right there. You should be throwing money right now. God is not judging every nasty thought you have. How many can say amen to that? Not the thoughts of your mind, the thoughts of your heart. He already, he already separated it out. He's looking at what's really in you. And Jesus took up residence in the real you. So to keep you clean before God. Amen. I want to preach this today. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse... I'm just on a roll here. I'm completely off my notes. Hebrews 10 and 14. Somebody likes it. Praise God. <laughs> Hebrews 10 and 14. Listen, listen to this. For by one offering, He, Jesus hath perfected forever them that are being sanctified, them that are sanctified. Listen to this. Listen to this. For by one offering, turn back to 14. For by one offering, is that offering done? Is Jesus still offering that offering? Or is it already done? When was it done? 2,000 years ago, that offering was done. And by that offering, 2,000 years ago, He perfected forever you. You're in the process of right now being sanctified, but you've already been made perfect 2,000 years ago the moment you believed it. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. He has perfected forever. So when you, when you said yes to Jesus, you believed on His, His death, burial, and resurrection, you became a new person on the inside. That's wonderful, wonderful. And that's what God is looking at all the time in you. He keeps looking at you thinking, that's really Jesus, isn't it? This, this boy looks so much like Jesus. Oh, holler. <clears throat> I can't distinguish where Jesus starts and holler, holler, begin, uh, holler stops. He looks just like Jesus to me. When God looks at you, He looks at your heart. He does not look at your mind. He does not look at your flesh. He looks at the end, that part of you that looks like Jesus. That's why the Bible says emphatically in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise amen. God. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Second Samuel chapter 12, our next signpost. Can you stand one more stop? Yes. Have you enjoyed it so far? Yes. Second Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13 says, David said to Nathan, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Why? He deserved to die. You see, it seemed like to me, he committed adultery. That carried a death penalty back then. He had his lover's husband killed. 
He was pretty stinky if you ask me. How could God do that? He did it because Curtis Coker has a great teaching, our former pastor here and our associate minister in Minnesota right now. He's probably preaching right now. He said Christ was crucified here, but he was slain. I'll take a little sip of that. He was slain over here before the creation of the world. So in the mind of God, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world, which means God could write a check on that anytime he got ready to. Although it hadn't, been, hadn't reached the bank, he could write a post-dated check. Amen. <laughs> write a post-dated check and pay for David's sin by the blood of Jesus before Jesus was actually crucified. And it says here in Romans 4, 6, Romans chapter 4 and verse 6, even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth, imputeth righteousness without works. Verse 7 saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Amen. Glory to God. This is you today. This is you today because God's not writing post-dated checks. You can cash in on Jesus today. The money's in the bank. Your check will, will go through. Write a big check today. Write a check that covers all your sins, all your sicknesses, all your diseases, all your failures, all your poverty, everything that went wrong with you. Write a check today in faith. The money's in the bank. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We find that God, this is the truth I want you to get out of 2 Samuel. There is a God in heaven who has forgiven everything that you ever did or ever will do. By the blood of Jesus, one sacrifice took care of it all. So you have no need to hang on to your need. Use your faith. God does not respond to need only. Or He wouldn't be in America. Our beggars are all fat. He responds to one thing. What is it? He responds to faith. Let's believe God together. doesn't mean you're not going to get attacked. It just means you have a way out and a way to win. I have a way to win. No matter what comes against me. All right, let's say it together. I have a way to win. No matter what comes against me. And I will win because Jesus made me a winner. Amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you today.